fantasy football today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Your friends don't play fantasy? LOL. What a bunch of nerds. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Eve. Well, we've been doing a lot of drafts lately. In fact, you can see our latest non-PPR and PPR drafts on the website, cbsports.com slash fantasy. And Dave and I have both noticed there is a big-time drop-off in talent at certain points in the draft. For me, it's a little earlier. For Dave, it's in the middle rounds, and we will talk about that. Dave Richard, thank you for joining me. I'm Adam Azer, by the way, everybody. Dave, how you doing, my friend? Good afternoon, Adam. All right. We are now halfway through the month of June, and summer has officially begun. Oh, that's right. Which means that we are about a month away from the start of training camp, baby. Yeah. Are you excited? I can't wait. I am so bored. For what? For training camp? I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I need action. You know what you need? Baseball. Baseball is fun. Um, I need action. All right. Well, I don't get excited for football until like we're, maybe the preseason. Once the preseason starts, I get excited. I'm always excited. I don't get like really pumped up. Until, uh, until the preseason begins. But, you know, training camp is, is whatever. But I am excited for three episodes a week, which is coming, if not next week, then in July. But we'll be at three, then we'll be at four, then we'll be at five. And please tell your friends and help us grow. We would much, much appreciate it. Tell everybody about the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Alright, continuing our, uh, our series of upside and downside tweets. Of these three running backs, who has the most upside? And whenever you're talking about Alvin Kamara, you really have to specify specify the scoring. So, Dave, of course, I went with half PPR. Of course you did. Of these three running backs, who has the most upside in half PPR? Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara, or Saquon Barkley? And when we do this exercise, we rule out injuries completely, correct? Yes. So get that out of your mind. This is tough. I think a lot of people will have the knee-jerk reaction of saying Alvin Kamara, which, I mean, I I kind of can't blame you for it. In a half-point PPR, this guy's going to catch a lot of passes. But I think Saquon Barkley's going to catch a lot of passes. And I wouldn't be surprised if Leonard Fournette improves on the receptions that he had last year. But I think about the touchdowns, and I think hands down, no one's going to get more than Leonard Fournette. Wow. And I think about the yardage, and and I think Fournette could potentially come in third in this category but still come through with good numbers, 1,300 yards total, not out of the question for him. I think his schedule's great. I think his defense is going to hand him a ton of games where he can grind down the clock. He won't share like Alvin Kamara will, and he's not a rookie like Saquon Barkley is. So for those reasons, I'm going to say Leonard Fournette has the most upside of the three. 10% of the Twitter respondents said Fournette. 54% 54% said Kamara, again, half PPR, most upside, and 36% said Barkley. Um, I, uh, I am a little torn on this. I see everything you're saying. Who has the most upside? I still would probably go with Kamara. Because of the Ingram injury and his potential to run away with the job with the first four games and just be so good that they could not possibly justify Never giving him more than 12 carries per game. Which, by the way, Alvin Kamara did not have more than 12 carries in any regular season game last year. If he comes out and is a stud weeks one through four before Ingram gets back, that will not be the case uh, going forward in my, you know, I would guess anyway. So I probably also would have voted Kamara. I think I would have put Fournette two and Barkley three because of the touchdowns, Dave. And Fournette had 1,300 yards last year in uh, in 13 games. So 100 yards per game, that's pretty total yards. Uh, and also he was on pace for 44 catches, which is no small feat. So I think he could probably match that total in 14, 15 games. I don't want to put Fournette down for 16 because I could see him getting banged up and missing a game during the season. Here's here's the sticking point I have on Kamara. This is in general. He averaged 6.1 yards per rush and 10.2 yards per catch. Yeah. Do you really think he can do that again? Nope. Okay, which means that for him to match the 1,500 yards and 13 touchdowns he had last year, he's going to need more touches. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I guess you're saying the upside is if he you know, is a rock star the first four weeks of the season, the Saints have no choice but to keep him out on the field, and Mark Ingram becomes an eight-carry-a-week guy, 
I think that's in the realm of possibility, but I also think the Saints are aware that they can't overwork Kamara. And I don't know if they want to. I think, you know, let's, let's, maybe our next first round pick that we put under a microscope will be Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. I have a lot to say about him. Could probably take up the whole show. Uh, he did finish first though with the most upside, according to the Twitter respondents. 54%, 36% for Barkley, 10% for Fournette. Of these three running backs who has the most downside in half PPR, Fournette, Kamara, or Barkley, we have a tie at the top, Dave. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I don't think Kamara would be involved in that. So I'll, I, I would have guessed that people would have said Fournette has the most downside. For whatever reason, I think people believe that Leonard Fournette's gonna flop. Well, you know, it is kind of tough because I think the biggest risk for Fournette is injury. And you said, you know, we take injury out of this and we, we kind of do. It's almost like we take injury out of it, like if we were asking Carson Wentz to Sean Watson, Aaron Rodgers or something, I'm just going to assume that they're healthy week one. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Healthy week one. Fournette. Well, then that changes the whole equation. Yeah, it does a little bit. Like, Fournette is a guy that I do worry about because he just, he's so physical. He's got an injury history. He missed two games last year. He missed three games total. He was suspended one, right? And he missed two for injury. I believe that's correct. And his production on a per carry basis was so much better before the injury, by the way, with Leonard Fournette. So, so... I would have also said Fournette has the most downside, but that's not the only reason. Um, what, what about you? You would have gone with who for most downside? I would say Saquon has the most downside because he's going to cost everybody a first round pick. All three of these guys are first round picks, but he's the one we haven't seen. We, we aren't sure just how improved this Giants offensive line is. I was talking with a Giants fan this week, Costos, who said that the offensive line isn't nearly as good as the Giants think it is. And he thinks Saquon could really struggle this year. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I have a with hard that. time believing that. though. No, I agree with that. Okay. I, well, I, well, he's the one with the most downside because you're drafting him as a guy who, if he doesn't get you 1500 total and eight or nine touchdowns, is is a disappointment. You know what? I think you're right. I think he does have the most downside. My my concern for Fournette is just bad offense, and you know. He's not going to be a PPR standout. 45 catches is something that we're sort of hoping for. He was on pace for 44 last year. But if I could just find the stat, over the last four years, um, here's the worst offense for a top five running back last four years. So in 2014, Matt Forte was a top five running back. He was on the 23rd worst offense. Um, 2015... I'll get back to this in a second, but this is eye-opening. Todd Gurley was on the 29th worst offense. Uh, in 2016, DeMarco Murray was on the 14th worst, uh, 14th worst? No, 14th best. Alright, I said it wrong, I'm sorry. Forte, 23rd best. Gurley, 29th best. Murray in 2016, 14th best. Uh, Gordon, 13th best. 2015 was that awful year for running backs, where like Danny Woodhead was the number two or three running back in PPR. So, for the most part, it's hard to be a top five running back on a bad offense unless you get a ton of catches like Matt Forte did four years ago. So that's my big concern with Fournette is that the, the Jaguars I don't, – I don't buy the Jaguars offense at all. I really don't. I think they take a step back, and I think he could suffer from that. Do you buy their defense? If you, yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. If you buy their defense and you can buy Jacksonville going with a keep-it-simple-stupid approach and they improve their offensive line – What's not to buy into with the offense? I, I don't think they're going to, you know, presto, change-o, now we're a passing team, and look out, here comes Keelan Cole and Marquise Lee, and Blake Bortles is going to the Pro Bowl. Yay! No, I don't they, think they that's have going to I think they're going to, I think they're going to have the exact game. same approach. Yeah, but, but they, but they won't pass the ball as well, which will affect everybody. It's like the sure, Lions. But you it know. won't affect Fournette as much as it'll affect Everybody else. It's not exactly like the Lions, but it's just like bad offense is not good for running backs. Uh, it, it, you know, it could be like, like. It is when you're a good running back well, getting all the work. Jordan Howard really suffered. Todd, Todd Gurley is a perfect example two years ago. You know, he couldn't overcome a bad offense with no passing game. You gotta, yeah. Alright. Let's go to the wide receivers. Okay. Of these three wide receivers, who has the most upside? Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, Doug Baldwin. Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, Doug Baldwin. Who is the most upside? This one was easier for me. It's Mike Evans. Yeah, it was easy for the for the Twitter folk. 
Mm-hmm. 66% of the vote went to Evans, 28 to, to Tyreek Hill. 6% said Doug Baldwin has the most upside. Somebody, yeah. one of our listeners, uh, tweeted at Doug Baldwin with the results of the poll. So I didn't appreciate that. Now he's mad at us. <laughs> did he, did he actually respond? <laughs> no, he didn't. I'll show those guys. That's what he's probably saying. Hope so. Yeah. He's a, he's a great dude, by the way. I, I, I'm almost never nervous to interview a player. But when it came to Doug Baldwin, I kind of know what his reputation is with the media in Seattle. And so at the Pro Bowl, I wanted to talk to him about Jimmy Graham. I was doing a story on Jimmy Graham. And he was as cool as ever. Nice. He, he was he was a real good guy. I didn't mention anything about fantasy football or anything like that because, you know, who knows what he'd do. But we, we had a good talk, and he's obviously a very thoughtful person, very aware of social issues, and a hell of a football player. Yeah, he sure is. But But he doesn't have huge upside. That said... He does, he is a top 12 wide receiver three straight years. This is, uh, Doug Baldwin we're talking about. So, your answer, your answer would be Mike Evans. Let's see, and that's what everybody agrees. Let's see who has the most downside according to the people who responded. Evans, Tyreek Hill, or Doug Baldwin. What would you say, Dave? Who has the most downside? Evans, Hill, or Baldwin? I'm gonna say who I believe the, the, the pollsters said, and that's Tyreek Hill. Because yeah, they, they did. They, I, and I didn't look, I didn't peek ahead to see. But I think they, they recognize that Tyreek Hill is such a big play threat who's got a changing situation around him. He's got a new quarterback. Sammy Watkins has joined Kansas City. There are, there are barbs that we can throw at Tyreek Hill that make him less of an appealing fantasy receiver than he could be after what he did in his second season. And yet Mike Evans came in last in most downside, which I find funny because he's had two seasons in the last three, that were worse than what Tyreek Hill just had. Tyreek Hill had 75 catches, 1,183 yards, and seven touchdowns on only 105 targets. So actually, if you want to make a case that Hill has the most upside, it's that he didn't get that many targets last year and still finished as a top 10 wide receiver, sixth in non-PPR, ninth in PPR. Evans was 23rd in non-PPR, 17th in PPR, and that's similar to what he did in 2015 when he was outside the top 20. He was top, he was top 24, but he's outside the top 20. So I find it funny that Evans finished last in who has the most downside, you know, which is the best place to be in that poll. Mm-hmm. And yet he has had, we have seen that downside two of the last three years. It's, uh, it, it's kind of funny, but I think people buy into him being a alpha male number one wide receiver with 150 plus target potential. And that's why they're going to crawl right back to Mike Evans in his, what is it now? His fifth season. How do you, five years in the, how do you, um, how do you rank those three? I like them all. I think they're all top 12 receivers. I have Evans ahead of them all and I actually have them back to back to back. Uh, Evans at nine, Tyreek Hill at 10, Doug Baldwin at 11. Okay. Well, Dave, we have a lot to get to today. We have an audio, a fun audio show. We have a lot of voicemails. People have been leaving us voicemails. 954-689-3199. We'll play some of them. We'll read your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. We will put Melvin Gordon under the microscope. And Dave, this is for, for you. Oh, it's the wrong part of the song. Sorry. Well, we can get to the right part of the song. Oh, wait. This is the wrong song. It switched songs on me. This is supposed to be just the two of us from Bill Withers, not that stupid song. No, it's Lovely Day because it's just you and me. You knew that song? Lovely Day. Lovely Day. Okay, lovely I apologize. Day. I was lovely supposed to play. I, I apologize for And I had it queued up, too, to play just the two of us at the perfect I pulled time. an Azer. I just sang on the podcast. And I pulled an Azer by making a horrible technical move on the podcast. So what song was it supposed to be, Just the Two of Us? Me and Dave today. We We're building castles, Dave. Just the two of us. All right. Well, anyway, more importantly, from the audio realm, we got your voicemail. So let's get to our voicemail of the day. And again, it is 954-689-3199. All right. We got a wide receiver voicemail. What's up, Azer? Andrew from New York here in the car out in Long Island. Just listened to the uh, 
podcast, the wide receiver uh, dynasty rankings podcast. Eh, it was all right. Just wanted to let you know there are a couple guys that you guys are really overlooking. And I'm talking about redraft here. You can pick them in dynasty as well. Will Fuller will be a third-round pick next year. Will Fuller. Robbie Anderson will be a fourth-round pick. Robbie A. And do not sleep on Chris Hogan this year, especially the first four games. Thank you. That will be all. Okay, so we had an okay episode, according to Andrew. And he thinks Will Fuller is going to be a third-round pick next year. And Robbie A., Robbie Anderson, is going to be a fourth-round pick. And don't sleep on Chris Hogan. And I will tell Andrew from Long Island in his car, first of all, get some coffee. You sound a little sleepy. Secondly, I draft Will Fuller. I feel like almost every mock draft we have, I'm always getting Will Fuller. Um, But I don't think he's going to be a third-round pick next year. But do you think people are sleeping on those guys? I think they all uh, have a role as a number three receiver in fantasy drafts this season. And I think all of them carry the upside that can push them into being top 20 guys next year. Hogan is in the best situation of the three. He's not a burner like Fuller and Robbie Anderson are. But he's he's in an enviable he's in an enviable spot because New England is going to be short on wide receivers with Julian Edelman down the first four games, and he can line up anywhere. And he's proven to be a reliable target for Tom Brady when he's actually been on the field. That's kind of been part of the problem with Hogan is one way or another he's never really put up monster numbers over the course of a full season. Yeah. And I think that that's something that is going to weigh on. It's it's going to weigh on people, but at the same time, if you're getting him in around seven ish on draft day, then it, it's is it really that bad? Is it that big of a risk? I would say no, and I think you're going to get Will Fuller in about that same range. If you get him in round eight, I think that's way better. But I I, I wrestle with Will Fuller because I love his situation too, but I don't know if I like him as anything more than uh you know. He's either going to catch a long touchdown or he's not. That's kind of how I feel about Fuller. Even though he, he, that hasn't been him, he's had plenty of games where scores red zone touchdowns. I like Fuller. I don't know that we know who he is yet, you know? He's, he's maybe. Had, he, because I, you know, I'm laying that label on him of being a, you know, one play trick pony. And he might be. I mean, he's he has really been, fast. but he's also, to be fair, he hasn't. He's also had a couple of games where he's come through with, uh, you know, short area touchdown. Well, you look at Will Fuller, his first four games of his career in 2016, which was a dreadful year for the Texans offense. He had 81 or more yards in three of his first four games. He had two 100-yard games. Then he had one catch on uh, one catch for four yards in week five, and then he was hurt and missed week six and was not the same after the injury. I, I'm, I believe it was an injury that he sustained, you know, halfway about halfway through his rookie season. He's missed eight games in two years, so that's held him back. Sure. Um, in six games with, or in, in four games with Deshaun Watson, 13 catches, which is crazy low, 279 yards and seven touchdowns. How about this? In a non-PPR league, in four games with Watson, Will Fuller averaged 17 points per game. In, it was, in, it was insane. In six games without him, he averaged two points per game. <laughs> because the quarterback wasn't as good as finding him, or buying time in the pocket, finding him, and then being accurate with the deep ball, which is, a gift that Deshaun Watson has. Ten touchdowns in Will Fuller's career. One, two, three, four, five have been inside of 20 yards. Another one has been exactly 20 yards. And the rest have been 39 yards or longer. Yeah. And yeah. one of those is a punt return. So only nine receiving. All right. Uh, quickly, Dave, who's your favorite, Fuller, Anderson, or Hogan? I'm drafting Hogan first of the of the trio. But, again, it's with the caveat that we're in round seven. And then soon after that, Anderson and Fuller are, are really right behind him. But the only name that I have in between those three is Corey Davis, okay. who's been up and down in my rankings. If he's healthy for training camp, he's probably going to go back up ahead of Hogan. So let's do news and notes pretty quickly here because uh, this part of the show took longer than I expected. The Falcons are reportedly uneasy about Julio Jones' friendship with Terrell Owens. You know, some negative reports uh, about the relationship between the Falcons and and not Terrell Owens and Julio Jones. Getting nervous at all? Uh, no. I, I don't understand what they'd be nervous about. Like, do, do they think that T.O. is telling them to, you know, be selfish, be a jerk, 
don't pay attention to anybody on the team. Make it all about you, and uh, then don't show up for training camp. Like right. I, I guess they're just worried about To being a negative influence somehow, some way, as if Julio Jones is feeble-minded enough to be influenced by To. They're probably just hanging out and talking football and going over a couple of details. Aren't you concerned about nice who, cold who your kids are friends with? What's that? Aren't you concerned about who your kids are friends with? Yeah, but my kids are 13 and 10. Well, okay. They're not young adults and no. professional athletes. But if you combine their ages, they're almost... Atlanta is worried about Julio Jones showing up for training camp. That's what it is. They yeah. They don't want him to hold out. And fantasy owners shouldn't want him to hold out either. Uh, we got reports from Bleacher Reports' Marcus Mosher. Sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly. Alan Hearns is Dallas's clear-cut number one wide receiver, and Blake Jarwin has worked out as their number one tight end. You care about it? Yeah, I trust Marcus. I, I like his stuff a lot. And this shouldn't surprise anybody. Who else was going to be their number one receiver in minicamp? Yeah, well, the rookie, Gallup. No. Yeah. It's okay. very rare when a rookie is on the ones in minicamp. Tom Brady hinted at retiring at age 45. He will be 41 years old in August. So if you knew he we guaranteed that Brady was going to play until he's 45, where would you draft him in a dynasty league? Round eight. Is that the same as you're drafting him now? Just no. not knowing? No. Where are you drafting right him? Right now, I've, I've taken him as soon as round five. No, I mean in a dynasty league. Like this report, does it change anything for you? No. You know, there, there was a report out there saying that if the Patriots traded Gronkowski, Brady yeah. was going to retire. The the Patriots called it hogwash. Have you ever washed a hog, Adam? I have never washed a hog of you. Every time I take a shower. <laughs> oh, but I'm sure. And uh, Terrell Pryor, now with the Jets says that he tore a ligament in his ankle in week one. It affected him all season. He said he couldn't focus on his game because of the ankle injury. And quite frankly, Dave, I could buy it. I really can. I, you know, nobody's excited about Terrell Pryor, but I, I could, I could buy this excuse. He looked so good in training camp that you couldn't help but fall for him. And then when the season started, he just, week one was kind of okay. And then after that, it was just a, Massive dumpster fire. And listen, you gotta, you gotta be able to play through your injuries in the NFL. And if you're thinking about it the whole time, you're not going to perform, which makes me wonder what's going to happen the next time that Terrell Pryor gets hurt. You know, if we, if we get a report in week three that he's got a nagging hamstring, you're going to cut him off your team in five seconds. But this is not You'll a probably this even is, curse yourself for drafting him in the first place. This is not a lay around flyer. He's a late-round flyer, but there's a bunch of other late-round flyers that I'd rather have ahead of him. All right, well, looking at MFL 10 ADP and where Terrell Pryor's going, he's going after John Brown of Baltimore, John Ross of Cincinnati, Taylor Gabriel of Chicago, James Washington of Pittsburgh, Geronimo Allison. Uh, he's yeah, but that's the crew late. that he's rolling with. Yeah, all right. Like, it's, it's late-round pick-your-poison type of dudes. But he's got a chance to be a number one wide receiver, I think. For the Jets, I, I think Robbie is that guy. So we're gonna talk about PPO. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I just he's got a chance. So we could talk yeah, about we, PPO. We saw it last year. Yeah, but there was no Terrell Pryor. There was no Quincy Inunua. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know that Terrell Pryor and Quincy Inunua were the guys to come into New York and change the direction of the receiving core. Are you kidding? That you don't think that Terrell Pryor could be better than Robbie Anderson? I I don't know if they're necessarily the same. If there's one concern, it's that that Anunua's return and Terrell Pryor's prominence could take targets away from Robbie, who had yeah. he had 114 last season, and he only caught about 55% of them. It's not great, but it's kind of what you get with a deep ball receiver. All right, so we are going to talk about that PPR draft and uh, some of our thoughts from it. Where is the talent drop off? But we got to tell you about Roku, a great way to watch TV. You're streaming. Right to your TV from this little Roku box. It's uh, it's twenty nine ninety nine to start. So go to Roku.com, R-O-K-U.com, R-O-K-U.com. I have two Rokus in my house. That is the truth. One in the living room, one in my bedroom, and I stream live games on there. I stream movies on there. 
I stream TV shows on there. I've got Netflix. I got Amazon, Amazon Prime. I got the CBS Sports app on there. So I watch CBS Sports HQ on my Roku. Uh, you need to get yourself a Roku. It's very convenient. It's going to save you a lot of money if you're tired of paying those crazy prices for cable. Uh, get a Roku. And you can, like I said, you can watch live sports on there. If you have a premium subscription to, uh, to one of the leagues, you know, you get their app on the Roku and you can watch right there. If you don't have a premium subscription, you can watch a lot of local games on your Roku through the, uh, through the cable apps. So, you know, it's great stuff. I highly recommend it. Go to Roku.com, R-O-K-U.com. Learn more and start streaming today. So we did a 12 team PBR draft, Dave. And uh, what did you think of it? What were your takeaways? I don't know if I have any takeaways off the top of my head, Adam, other than I I think the early rounds are going to be fun. I don't think they're going to be stressful, dramatic. I think everybody's going to have a pretty easy time making their first three selections. Ooh, all right. I'll go ahead and disagree because this is where I see the drop-off in talent. After... Gronkowski, so we're talking like mid to late round two. After Gronkowski, after Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, that group of wide receivers off the board. And really you're looking at Tyreek Hill. And there was a guy, I had the third overall pick and I took Ezekiel Elliott. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, there's somebody I want so badly with the 22nd overall pick in this PPR draft. Please let him fall to me. Please let him fall to me. Christian McCaffrey went one pick before me. I was so mad. I was doing a fantasy baseball podcast at the time, and I, I screamed, damn it, on the air. Because <laughs> I wanted Christian McCaffrey so badly. But McCaffrey went, Dalvin Cook went kind of late. He went 19th. But you get Fournette, Michael Thomas, A.J. Green, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, Dalvin Cook, Rob Gronkowski. Then McCaffrey goes. And then I'm sitting there in the second pick, and I didn't have fun making this pick. I took almost the entire time to decide between Doug Baldwin, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and T.Y. Hilton. And I went with Baldwin, and I hated myself for it, and I still do. Why? Um, because, you know, I look at the, the season two years ago when he had 93 catches or something like that. He had more than 90 catches. I don't see him as a 90-catch guy. I see him more like a 75-catch guy like he was in both 2015 and 2017. So he's not a PPR standout. Uh, he had 14 touchdowns in one of his last three seasons. That was when Russell Wilson went absolutely berserk the last eight games of the year, and Doug Baldwin did so as well. I look at Baldwin as a 75-catch guy with eight or nine touchdowns. That is not exciting. That is fine. So I didn't take upside there. Uh, I I hated it. I didn't think it was a bad pick, but I hated it. I, I like Christian McCaffrey so much more than Doug Baldwin and Tyreek Hill right now that I think there's a big drop-off in talent at that point in the draft, late second round. I disagree with the term drop-off in talent because I think these guys that we're talking about, the Baldwins, the Hills, the Kelseys, and the Hiltons, are are talented guys yeah, that can help sorry. your fantasy team. You're right. I shouldn't say talent. Drop-off in projected fantasy production. Okay. So if you're projecting, let's call it 75, 1,009 for Doug Baldwin, which of the other players do you think can top that? Do you well, T.Y. Hilton, Hilton for sure. can get you over 1,009? Yeah, and if we're feeling good about Andrew Luck, then T.Y. Hilton is a second-round pick. You know, then I'd take him over Baldwin. I'd take him over Tyreek Hill. Okay, what about Tyreek Hill well, versus Doug Baldwin? He got you almost 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns last year. So if I could do it again, I'd probably take Tyreek Hill over Baldwin. Which is what I would have done. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that I would have suggested is to punt on receiver and take Kelsey or Ertz. With that late second round pick, get get a stud tight end. I'm I think I'm going to preach this during July and August. Is that getting one of those three tight ends just saves you the hassle of dealing with tight ends? Oh sure, yeah. And it and it gives you a guy that produces like a stud receiver at the tight end position. And all you have to do is just find another receiver in round six or seven to make up for it when everyone else is scrambling and you know hoping that Kyle Rudolph falls in their lap. Right. And I think the injury to Hunter Henry makes this this tra- yeah. tight end strategy even yep. more uh appealing. So I could have taken Kelsey. If I had taken Zeke in round one and Kelsey in round two, I definitely would have taken a wide receiver in round three. And I probably would have come back and taken 
Hilton in round three if he had been there, but uh, he he did not he did not make it. And uh, so that's the other thing. So if I go running back Travis Kelsey, I say yeah, I'd love to take a wide receiver in round three, but the best ones we're looking at were Adam Thielen, Josh Gordon, Larry Fitzgerald, Amari Cooper. Early round three seems like a little bit of a reach there, which is another reason why I took Doug Baldwin. I should have taken Tyreek Hill, but I took Baldwin. Um, because there's a drop-off at wide receiver. And punting wide receiver in a PPR league is scary. Unless you've got, I'd say, two running backs that catch a lot of passes. I don't know that I want to do that, Dave. I don't know that I want to punt wide receiver with my first three picks. I don't think that that's a good idea either. Because then you're putting a lot of pressure on your team to come through. First of all, the the players that you take with those first three picks absolutely positively must come through for your squad. And that's really the case no matter what you take. But then you're left with some pretty not great scraps in round four. Right. I'm trying to come up with nicer words for it. But I I mean, I'll just, I'll run down the receivers that were left toward the back end of round four. Alshon Jeffrey. Well, wait, 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 go, go. Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, that's, I'll, I'll name That's actually pretty, that's actually not bad. In a PPR, I don't think it's that bad, especially when it comes to Tate. I think Tate's about as reliable as it gets for a receiver that will come through in the receptions department for your team. Right. Alshon is almost the exact opposite of that. He needs touchdowns. And Jarvis Landry has been a guy that sucks up receptions like a Hoover. But I don't know if it's going to be that way in Cleveland. Like a Hoover. So I rec- I recommend everybody go to the website. The the results are posted. I just want to look at two teams, and then we'll move on, put a first-round pick under the microscope, and hear from our listeners with voicemails and emails. Uh, I want to look at two teams that went wide receiver, ride, wide receiver. And um, they were, I think Will Brinson was one of them. So he went with Odell Beckham in the first round, and then he took Devontae Adams in the second round. This is PPR, so Beckham and Adams, Derrick Henry, Darius Geis, and then he took Brandon Cooks, and then he took Evan Ingram. So, you know, three wide receivers and a tight end with his first six picks. He's got Burkhead, Tariq Cohen, and C.J. Anderson. Are the running backs good enough with Beckham and Devontae Adams, with Evan Ingram at tight end, with Brandon Cooks as his flex? And I'll say it again. Ev, uh, Beckham, Adams, Cooks, and Ingram in his starting lineup are the running backs good enough to justify this strategy? I think. De- oh, let me read them. De- Derek Henry, Darius Geis, Burkhead, Cohen, C.J. Anderson. I think it works because you realize just how how good the wide receivers should be. That if you get if you get one of those two running backs to finish top 15 and the other one's top 25 and you're meshing that with two top 12, top 10 wide receivers, maybe top five, I don't have a problem with it. I, I think there's questions about Evan Ingram and Odell Beckham on the same fantasy team. That's a good point. Yep. And I don't know. I, he could have gone with a Sony Michelle or what other running backs were available when he took Evan Ingram. Michelle was there. Carrion Johnson was there. I wouldn't have taken him. Marlon Mack, Chris Thompson, uh, Marshawn Lynch, Jamal Williams. I, I'm I'm a fan of Williams. I would have taken him or Michelle in round six instead of Ingram. Maybe Ingram lasts another round, and you can get him in round seven. Did you mention who his quarterback was? No. Matt Ryan, right? Took Matt Ryan very yeah, late. Yeah, he probably draft. waited a little bit too long to get a quarterback. Well, maybe, but I also think Matt Ryan has a chance to bounce back big this year. Yeah. Yeah, let's 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 hope that Julio Jones comes to training camp, doesn't pull a TO, and doesn't pull an injury either. Okay, so the other team that was Kaiser's team, and he had the eleventh pick. He went Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Jordan Howard, Kenyon Drake. Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Jordan Howard, Kenyon Drake. So a similar start to Will, who went Beckham, Adams, Howard, and Geis. Instead of Beckham and Adams at receiver, it's Allen and Thomas at receiver. Instead of uh, Derek Henry and Geis, Derek Henry and Geis is what he did. Um, it's Howard and Drake. 
So I think he, I mean, I, I like those first four picks. I think it's a good yeah. way to start a, a draft. I feel like he did a little bit better than Brinson did. And the, the nitpick might be that Kenyon Drake will catch more passes than Derrick Henry or Darius Geis. Yeah, that's true. You gotta keep that in mind with PPR, with Chris Thompson yeah. there and in Washington. Yep. Right. Now Howard's gonna lose catches to, to Rick Cohen. He's, he's gonna lose opportunities across the board because the Bears passing game is gonna be much, much better. Any improvement that they made would have made it better than what they had in 2017. But now it's gonna be, it should be sparkling. I'm expecting and this isn't a Bears fan talking. I gave him up. I I really buy into what they're building in Chicago. Oh, okay. We have a question about that a little bit later. So I told you where I think the drop-off in talent is, say, about 22nd overall. Yeah, you think it's really Drop-off in fantasy production. Uh, there are several drops, but that's one that really stands out to me, which is why I'm not sure I want a top three pick. But I'm not sure I don't want one. <laughs> Where's the drop-off in talent for you? I would say the drop-off happens right around 55th overall, which is round five. So I, I, I think that you start to see signs of reliable, safe players that are no doubt starters for your fantasy team. They start to slide out in round four, and maybe you start to panic a little bit as you see them go one by one off the draft board. And then you get to round five, and, and the names that are left are Guys like Brandon Cooks, who I think some people are excited about, but I'm, I'm, I've really turned a corner. I don't think I'm going to draft Brandon Cooks anymore. Jimmy Graham, um, a bunch of quarterbacks, bunch of running backs that don't really have a lot of upside unless injuries help them out along the way. Guys like Tevin Coleman, Marlon Mack, um, Lamar Miller, guys that are like, eh, okay. I can't get excited about them. Yeah, no, I feel you. And I want to be like I'm going to be excited with most of my first four picks. But when I get to round five, I'm I'm kind of hoping somebody slips, or I need to really get behind players who are going and maybe they've got an ADP of round six and round six and a half that I'll take early because I believe in them and I'm excited to take them. Or there's a door number three, Adam. And this is it. When you don't like what's left at running back, when wide receiver grosses you out, when tight end is pathetic, you turn to quarterback. And there will be somebody there at quarterback, a stud, that you can say, all right, safe player, drop him in my lineup, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, choose your order any way you want that's something that'll probably make you feel a lot better about the pick. And you say, okay, I'm, I'm tabling the decision on riskier players till round six. Dave, let's put a first round pick under the microscope and let's go to Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon Melvin. was the number five running back in both formats last year. And he is entering his fourth season. And I'll tell you what, man, we've been doing these first round picks under the microscope and most of them feel pretty good, feel pretty safe to me. I do feel like there is some bust potential here for Melvin Gordon, Dave. I still like him quite a bit. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, at this point you're in the year, you're really analyzing everybody, good, bad, and I, there's some bad. I, I, I don't think it's a completely insignificant that he has averaged 3.9 yards per carry two years in a row and never better than that. All right, Heath. No, but you know what? Like, look at the top ten running backs. He – there's usually two in the top ten in fantasy. The, at the end of the year, when you look at the guys who finished top ten, there are usually two that average less than four yards per carry, and he's usually one of them. He's always one of them. Uh, he's, each of the last two seasons, always, all two years. Uh, it's not nothing to me. I love his role. I love the lack of competition. I love the catches. 58 catches last year. Wants to get more involved in the passing game. I love the offense he's in. I love that Melvin Gordon has scored 18 rushing touchdowns in the last two seasons. And 14 of them have been from three yards out or closer. But, you know, (laughs) he hasn't run the ball that well. I mean, 3.9 yards per carry. And I know he's better than that, but why isn't it translating in the stats? I don't know. But it is it is translating in the stats. No, in the yards per carry. Like, I know he's not a guy who should be averaging less than four yards per carry. That's bad. That's legitimately bad. Okay. You said that he has 14 touchdowns inside of three yards. Over the last two seasons? Yeah. Okay, so that's 14 carries right there. 
that were below 3.9. But that's out of like 500 carries. And it, there, there's probably another, carries. you know, dozen to two dozen that are short yardage where he's only asked to get one or two yards. It doesn't, convert it doesn't a third affect down. the other running backs like it affects him. Here, I'm just going to tell you what I like about him, and it's what I've liked about him since he came in the league. I think he's the type of running back that can consistently get 20 touches per game. I think he needs that volume in order to be grand. I think he's going to keep getting that volume until he proves that he's not a great running back to his coaching staff. And they love him. They overlook the 3.9 yards per carry because of his contributions everywhere else. Everything else he does, they love. I, lo- I love it too. I, I do too. I, I love the catch rate. Hey, I took him over Kareem Hunt in a draft, and Jamie was like, "What?" Yeah, I don't know if I like that, but I I think they're going to be close. They're going to be drafted within five, six picks of each other in every single draft. So you like and Hunt what better. happens, by the way? What happens, by the way, when the Chargers' offensive line gets better, and all of a sudden Melvin Gordon's averaging four point one yards per carry? Was it so bad last year? It wasn't great. They were missing some pieces. Yeah, I hope so. I, I hope so. It's just, I can't completely ignore it. I just, they don't really, I mean, they, they drafted a running back in the seventh round. They obviously like him. Austin Eckler was good in a short role. So maybe he gets a little bit more work. But yeah, I think Gordon is pretty safe and he's going to be on a really good offense. Love is scheduled to begin the year. What There's only it? one game that stands out as a messy one until week nine. All right, good stuff. Let's uh let's hear from the people here. Get some more voicemails at 954-689-3199. Hey, Anthony, Chris, Javi, and John. How are you guys doing? This is Ryan, uh in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm a huge Bears fan, and it seems like all the national media right now is uh kind of takes the Bears to be this year's surprise team. And I wanted to ask you guys Outside of Jordan Howard, based on current draft position, their current average draft position, which Bears player are you most excited to draft uh, if you had to pick one? Well, first of all, not only is he a big Bears fan, but he's a big Cubs fan, too. You can tell by the way that he uh, oh, that's who that was. asked his voicemails. Yep. Uh, I'm. You know how we talked about players that I would be excited about and that I would reach for a little bit in round five? We just got done talking about this in the yes. PPR draft section. One of the receivers that I'm starting to really fall for is Allen Robinson. Really? Because I think he's got it. I think he's going to blow away the rest of his teammates and targets this year. I think he's going to be a big red zone threat. I think he, I don't think he'll get double covered down there. I don't think he's going to have a lot of four catch 105 yard games or anything like that. I think he's going to be a volume receiver who's going to get eight, nine targets per game. And come through in, in, in a solid way for Chicago. Score seven, eight touchdowns this year. So that, that's probably that's a, the one that I'm most big, excited that's about. It's a big projection right there. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little aggressive on Allen Robinson. I'm aggressive okay, on Trubisky okay, too. I'm, I'm not ready to draft Trubisky, but I think, I think he'll, the, the system in Chicago that's being installed will agree with him because a lot of it's going to be more than half. It's going to be stuff that he's already familiar with. And then everything that's left over is going to be like West Coast concepts, which any quarterback can do. And he's just, he's, he's got better protection up front. He's got just a much smarter and more creative coaching staff. And his receivers are just, they went from worse to, I don't know if they're the best in their division, but they're close. They're pretty good. They've got a nice unit. Allen Robinson, Dave took him 42nd overall. That's the fourth round in our 12-team league, and that was in the PPR league that we did on Tuesday, that draft we did on Tuesday. Dave took Robinson ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster, Demarius Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Golden Tate, Alshon Jeffrey. That was a run of receivers, six in a row. Robinson, Juju, Demarius Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Golden Tate, Alshon Jeffrey. Of course, the other guy that people are excited about is Trey Burton. He went 78th overall in this draft. All right, another voicemail, please. This is Rick outside Portland, Oregon. I am all in on Deshaun Watson. When he was on my team last year, he was scoring a boatload of points. He is 
one of the main reasons why I think I got into the playoffs. Why should I not draft Deshaun Watson extremely high? I'm not talking first round, but I'm talking, you know, third or fourth round, something like that. What do you think? I I I agree with him to an extent. I think that Deshaun Watson is probably the only quarterback that I would break my rule for. And you know what my rule is, right? Uh, no, you can't get wet after midnight. Yes. Oh no, but no, there's feed, another no rule feeding after midnight, and you can't get wet, or you become a gremlin or something, right? You must have carbs after 9 p.m. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's my, a bad rule. My quarterback, oh, look at me. My quarterback rule is you have to feel like you're stealing the guy from the rest of your league. Like, if, yeah. if you're ready to take Aaron Rodgers and, and you look in the draft and you think to yourself, man, this value wait, is wait, wait, too I'm good to be call, true. I'm going to call you out because that's not your quarterback rule. Your quarterback rule was just if I don't like anything else at other positions, then I'm going to take a quarterback. That's something you can do. And typically the running, the quarterback rather that's left when you, when you're ready to make that move is going to be good. Yeah. You're going to have that steel feeling. Well, Deshaun Watson was the third quarterback taken in our PPR draft on Tuesday, and the quarterbacks went really late. Rodgers, 52nd overall. Tom Brady, 58th. Uh, Deshaun Watson, 67th overall. And then Russell Wilson, one pick after Watson. Uh, look, uh, there's obviously a lot to like about Watson, but you just have to worry about the sample size. You have to worry about the guy coming back from injury. I like him though. He's pretty damn good. I mean, do you think that for a second that Houston's going to change their identity and say, "All right, Deshaun, you got hurt last year. We just want you to run a Jacksonville type of offense, very basic, very simple. Don't go crazy. Don't don't do anything ridiculous like throw the ball farther than ten yards down no. the field. Do you really think they're going to do that? I they're not going to do that. I do there, not there's think a that. chance on God's green earth." And so that means that Deshaun Watson is going to be put in a position to keep doing what he's been doing. Yeah. He he is pretty much the only quarterback that I will break the stealing rule for because I do like him. I'm not going to reach for him in round three. I think there are too many other good players at running back, receiver, and tight end that I just I can't pass up. Just understand there's no there's almost no way Deshaun Watson can be as good as he was last year. He was almost like Peyton Manning with the Broncos good. How do you how are defenses going to slow him down? It's just, there's no way. There's no way. I mean, he was averaging like 30-something points per game, not including the first game of the year when he came in as a replacement. He threw for 402 yards and four touchdowns at Seattle. I don't care what defenses. He threw for five touchdowns against Kansas City, four touchdowns against Tennessee. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. It, it will not be done again. He'll have some games like that again. Uh, Okay, but he didn't have some games. Those are half his games because he had six starts. He played seven games and had 19 touchdowns, but he had 18 touchdowns and six starts. So are you projecting him for 48 touchdowns? There's no way he's going to If I'm projecting him for 48 touchdowns, then I'm I'm changing my quarterback rule and making two sets of rules. That's not even with the rushing. We had two rushing touchdowns. Yeah, he'll have a couple of rushing touchdowns on top of that. No, I don't think he's going to throw 48 touchdowns. But I've... I, I'm I'm enamored with him. I think he can be very good. I don't love the first two games on his docket. They're both on the road at New England and at Tennessee. Guarantee a Tennessee's going to copy whatever New England did to him. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't just because they're going to try to copy it doesn't mean they're going to be successful. And after that, he's taking on Giants, Colts, Cowboys, Bills. It's good. Those are his next four games. That's good. He's going to explode. <laughs> All right. And next the, email. He's going to average like 28 fantasy points per game. Next then. voicemail, rather. All right. We got a Dolphins question here. Yo, oh, guys. Uh, Scott from the birthplace of Jason Witten, Northeast Tennessee. Had a question, uh, Dynasty Keeper aspect. Was wondering uh, the outlook for uh, Mike Jasicki based on the rumor that he may be playing more of a hybrid uh, receiver type role. You know, does that kind of boost his rank? I know rookie tight ends never pan out, but with him being in that role, where does that place him? And then also maybe which uh, which rookie quarterback maybe has the best outlook, um, dynasty appeal. Thanks, guys. Let's answer that second one quickly. Who's got the most? Uh, who's got the best outlook in dynasty among the rookie quarterbacks? Baker Mayfield one, Lamar Jackson two. 
And then who did I have three? I think I had Rosen third. And now what do you think about Dolphins tight end Mike Gesicki and the role he might play? I, I think he's going to be like a receiver at tight end. I don't see him as much of a blocker. I think he's a mismatch type of player. And apparently he improved as the offseason program went on to the Dolphins. So by the time we get to training camp in your dynasty rookie-only drafts, he could end up being a second-round pick. And he could end up being a late-round pick in in seasonal leagues if he shows out during the preseason. And again, this is a team, the Dolphins, that have a pretty decent schedule to begin the year. So Gasicki could certainly be good for streaming folk. Cool. All right, well, back to the voicemails. 954-689-3199. No name on this one. Dave, who's this from? Well, I think when you hear the voice, you will okay. know that it's Roberto. Ah, I see. Hey, guys. Huge fan of the podcast. Yes, of course. So thanks to Gronkowski today, not the man, the horse, I was able to win the number two overall pick in a startup dynasty draft. Can you do me a favor and – convince me that I'm not crazy to convince taking Saquon Barkley in the full point PPR league. Uh, any advice which way to go? I can almost guarantee the first overall pick is going to be Le'Veon Bell. Uh, if you got any advice from there, I would truly appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Roberto has the number two pick in a dynasty league and he kn- he knows it's going to be Bell number one. He wants to take Barkley over Gurley. Oh, let's get Roberto in my fantasy league. <laughs> I want to play against this guy. I I, I get the whole idea that you want to draft players that you love, the guys that you want to root for, the guys that you believe in. But passing up not just Gurley, but Ezekiel Elliott, David Johnson, Alvin Kamara, maybe you like him too, all for Saquon Barkley. I mean, you've got to either have a hell of a crystal ball or the biggest Penn State jersey collection in the world Hmm. to make a move like that. Here's what I would suggest to Roberto. He should trade down in his draft. Make sure it's cool with his commissioner. Find the guy who's picking fifth. Let's just say fifth. And offer to swap slots. The guy who's picking fifth is going to absolutely 100% say yes because he's going to get to move into number two, guaranteeing himself one of Zeke, Gurley, and if Le'Veon Bell doesn't go first for whatever reason, Le'Veon could be there too. Oh, but Gurley and he can still get, first. And he can still get Saquon at five. Gurley should definitely go first. That's a good idea. Trade down. But if I have the first pick in a dynasty league, I'm 100% taking Todd Gurley. I think you have to. Yeah. I, if the guy's going to take Bell, there's no compelling evidence that. not to. All right. A couple more voicemails, and then we'll finish with emails. Hey, fellas. It's Josh from Davis, California. I'm in a 12-team half PPR dynasty league, and I'm looking to trade Devontae Freeman, considering I have DJ and Melvin Gordon as my starting running backs. Given it's a dynasty league, what – wide receivers do you think would be in that tier of running back? In the, yeah, I cut him off there. But the Devontae Freeman tier in a dynasty league, what wide receivers would you be looking at? I think almost any wide receiver that would go in round three to maybe late round two would be in play. So a lot of the guys that we've talked about already, Hill, Baldwin, T.Y. Hilton, um, I, I think they'd all be in play. I don't – I. I don't know if I would be excited to trade Freeman straight up for one of those guys. I would almost want something with it. Hmm. Now that's coming from a, you know, running back lover. That's me. And I always tend to overvalue running backs, but at the same time, I do recognize that now might be a pretty good time to jump off the Devontae Freeman bandwagon in dynasty leagues. Yeah. He has the feel of delivering one more good year. And then after that, question marks. Right, so I'm not it, sure it, you're it, getting Tyreek Hill for him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up Tyreek Hill for Devontae Freeman in a dynasty league. Because he's young and you figure that Tyreek yeah. Hill could have several more great seasons. He's in his third year and he's just, he's attached to a second year quarterback. If, if Pat Mahomes is good, Tyreek Hill could be a fantasy mainstay going forward. Would you do it for Doug Baldwin? I would give I, up. I feel like those two are the same. I would give up Baldwin. Well, well Baldwin's going into like his, what, seventh year? He probably has two or three more years left. I probably think I think Baldwin Freeman is a pretty even swap. And I don't think you would do it for Hilton. Uh well, I, I feel better about Hilton in Dynasty than I do in seasonal. I I trust that eventually Andrew Luck will be healthy. And I think Hilton could have five good years left. He's still pretty Amari, young. Amari Cooper? Yeah, I, I don't know about it. What fantasy right. So left. like once you get to the point of Cooper, Allen Robinson, 
Josh Gordon, Demarius Thomas. Well, definitely not, not as, Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon's too risky in Dynasty. With what about this field. idea? What about trying to go after a receiver better than Tyreek Hill by pairing a receiver with Devontae Freeman? Or, or what, what about one of the rookies? Like, is Devontae Freeman for DJ Moore a bad trade? I think I'd rather have Freeman yeah, and then go back to the well at receiver next year. He's going to be a tough one to trade in Dynasty because I think a lot of people are going to feel the way I do, which is one more good year. It doesn't feel like he's got two or three. The last thing – oh, by the way, I, we've said this before. Tevin Coleman's a free agent. So, one, that could make Freeman better in Dynasty, but that could make Tevin Coleman like a steal in keeper or Dynasty leagues. If he goes it somewhere could. else – Yeah. Unless he doesn't. Unless he doesn't. But he should. I mean, they shouldn't keep him. They shouldn't. They can't pay two running backs. All right, David. Let's read some emails. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. Corey from a town west of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, West of Harrisburg? Yeah. Los Angeles, California. Hey, Andy, Temp, Daryl, and Roy. The office. The fact that you don't know that means that you need to watch more Office. I was listening to the recent <laughs> podcast that you discussed drafting and using the teammate combo. In the same vein, what are your thoughts on using running backs from the same backfield in the same lineup in a similar fashion to the friendship strategy, like starting Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, C.J. Anderson and Christian McCaffrey, or Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead? I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that, but at the same time, if if it's just my lineup shakes out the way that it does and my best players happen to include two running backs from the same team, I'm not opposed to starting them. I wouldn't want to do it on a regular basis. Yeah. Like I wouldn't want to go into my draft and say, okay, my starting running back is going to be Devontae Freeman and my flex every week, rain or shine, is going to be Tevin Coleman. You're really limiting your upside. Right. If this were men on football, I'd say, hated it. <laughs> I hope people, or in living color. I hope people get that joke. DJ in a western Illinois town along along the Mississippi. Uh East St. Louis. Dear Brian, Dick, Bill, and Mike. Those are bears. Oh, okay. As a Chiefs fan and a Kareem Hunt owner, would you be worried that Hunt's off field off the field transgressions this offseason could result in some form of punishment? And he was accused of punching someone. But I'm going to say no. Yeah, I, it's a little skimpy on the details. I'm going to say not not a concern right now. All right, Bobby's from the bottom of the map. <laughs> Antarctica? The bottom of the map, sure. Dear Les, Vic, Howard, Archie, Archie, Eddie, and Troy. Those feel like uh Ohio State Heisman Trophy winners maybe? I don't know. Do they have that many? 12-team PPR league. <laughs> If I take a, what's so funny? Did I get that right, you think? Uh, maybe. Uh, 12 CPPR league, if I take Alvin Kamara at pick seven, and both Keenan Allen and Christian McCaffrey are available to me in the second round, who would you take and why? You get Kamara, okay. and then you can choose between Allen or McCaffrey. I would pick Allen. Feel a little bit safer with him. Like having the option of not being wedged into a certain position by the time I get into round three. From... Curtis from Princeton, Minnesota. Half point PPR keeper. You lose the round where you pick them. Kamara in the 11th or Kareem Hunt in the 4th? Oh, come on. Kamara. Yeah, I think it's gotta be Kamara. Yeah. yeah. Bruce in Central Pa. Oh, that's PA. Central Pennsylvania. LOL, just kidding. Uh, I had a question about your June 14th podcast. Okay, I don't remember what that one is. Oh yeah, yeah. In talking about who would replace Mark Ingram in New Orleans, Jamie said, Terrence West, Scott, William, Scott and Williams. Why not Trey Edmonds? Why was he not mentioned? Do you think Trey Edmonds, Dave, has a chance of replacing Ingram for the first four weeks? I think they've got a bunch of guys that aren't significantly better than the other. Boston Gore, Boston Scott is a little different than West, Edmonds, and uh, Jonathan Williams. So I, I would be surprised if he's the guy that ends up replacing Mark Ingram as a ten carry guy. Okay. But I, I I think it's I think it's a training camp battle between those four. I don't know if Edmonds really has like the the, the best chance for it. I I feel like he's a bottom of the roster type of guy for the Saints. 
Big weekend plans? Yeah, my parents are coming to town. Oh, fun. So I'll be hanging out with them. I think I'm going to get my windows tinted on my car. Why would you get your windows tinted? Well, keeps the harmful sun UV rays out and keeps your car cooler and saves on gas. What are you trying to hide from the rest of the world, Adam? <laughs> What's going on in your vehicle that we need to know about? Uh, a lot of rocking out these days. I've uh, been doing a lot. I've been playing the drums in the car, the air drums, very, very mm-hmm. well. And, to, uh, to the usual stuff, Billy Joel, Brian Adams? No. What have I been playing? Uh, I don't really remember. I was belting some U2 the other day. But you know what, Dave? We'll just uh, we'll just leave it to the imagination. What could Adam be doing in the car that he doesn't want other people to see? And with that weird thought, we're going off to the weekend. See you later, everybody. We'll talk to you on Monday on Fantasy Football Today. Na 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 na. Yeah.